Um, I've got three kids. I've got three kids, and one of them it would for sure not work with. Uh, one, it would work. Well, two, actually, it would work. So, again, it's knowing everything, but God knows our every thought. He knows where our heart is. He knows where our mind is going. He knows what we're going to do before we do it. Just make sure that when you look in the mirror every morning and you start your day, that God is on your side, but more importantly, that you're submitted and on his side. And then make a habit every night before you lay down to follow those same steps. Amen? Pastor? Now then, woo! <laughs> Pat was talking about that correction going on there. My daddy had two ways of correcting you. Actually, three. One of them, he'd talk to you, which was very rare. Other times, he'd whip you, which was more often. But the one that really got you is when he'd talk to you and then whip you. <laughs> of course, you younger folks can't identify with that, can you? My daddy, my daddy would have, he, he would have been put in jail for child abuse. But look what a man it made out of me, right? Amen. Praise God. It's good to see all of y'all today. Glad that you're here and in church with us today. I talked to Pastor Mark just a few minutes ago, and they were in Chattanooga coming this way, and so they'll be they'll be watching. Probably are beginning to come on right now, and uh, but we have several people this morning that are sick. Uh, Trendon has uh, got the flu, and we won't be praying for him. And Sister Pat, we're going to be praying for her arm situation there. The doctor didn't give her a good report, but. Uh, the report of the Lord is that by His stripes she's healed. That's the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe, right? So we believe the report of the Lord. And uh, so we won't be praying for them as we pray this morning. So let's receive our offering just now. Amen. In God's Word, He declares, and this is His Word, it's not coming from me, a money-hungry, trying-to-grab-your-money preacher. But his word says, Bring all your tithes into the storehouse and prove me now here. With the, he, well, let me back up. said, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat on my table. In other words, things to take care of what needs to be took care of. And he said, And prove me with this. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that there shall not be room enough to receive. Now, many years ago, I asked a Jewish rabbi, I said, what does that mean to you as a Jewish boy? What he said there. He said, what that means to me is this, that when I honor God in my giving, that God takes care of me. Hey, you can't beat that, can you? That's a better promise than Uncle Joe would give you. Right? 
lot better promise. So uh, we believe that. So that's why we do this. We don't give it to honor the church or the preacher. We give it to honor the Lord. That's His Word. Father, we thank You this morning as we come together today, bringing our tithes and offerings into Your storehouse. Lord, we thank You today that You're meeting the needs of this congregation. And Lord, as we give, that You're taking care of us on a daily, regular basis as we go forward from this point. Lord, we honor You. Now, Father, we pray this morning for Sister Pat. Thank You, Lord, for touching that arm. Thank You, Father, that that the things that are being done for her right now are working to where she don't have to have that surgery. Lord, I thank you for healing her, touching her, and bringing that healing to pass. And Father, we pray for Trendon today that you touch him. Father, we come against that flu. We speak to it and say to it to go from him in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for other needs, others in the congregation. Father, our people that are traveling, they're here and there, wherever they may be today, Father. We just ask you for your hand upon them again. Lord, we thank you that you bless our giving as we bless you in our giving. And we magnify you in Jesus' name we pray. And together we said, Amen. Okay, it's good to have all of you here with us today, but uh, I'm especially honored to have Tommy and Becky and the boys with us today. They drove over here from Florence to be with us in church this morning, and so we, we appreciate y'all coming and being with us and bringing those two young men. I got to where I like those two young men pretty well. They're good guys. Okay, we'll let the children go to children's church now. heard the story many years ago of this uh, preacher, and he was going to preach on the second coming that day. And uh, it was back in the day, and a lot of churches still have them, have a rail here, you know, and the first pew's pretty close. And he was preaching along, and he said, And the Lord said, Behold, I come quickly. And he stepped right up, and he hit that rail, and he backed up. And he said, The Lord said, Behold, I come quickly. And he hit that rail again. He did it the third time. The Lord said, Behold, I come quickly. And he hit that rail and he tumbled right out into a sister's lap. And he said, Oh, sister, I'm sorry. She said, Dad, don't worry about it. You told me three times you was coming and I could have moved. <laughs> well, folks, Jesus has told us that he's coming. Right? And uh, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. The, the thought that I have today is not original with me. Uh, I'm going to give uh, honor to where honor's due, and I hope I don't do it injustice. 
But uh, what I want to talk to you about today is not the end of the world, but the world of the end. And I got that thought from Dr. David Jeremiah, and uh, he's pretty good on that kind of stuff. But think about the world of the end. What's, what's it going to look like as we get closer to that time? And I'm here to tell you, folks, that's coming. I want you to open your Bible, first of all, if you have it. If you don't, you can read along with us up here. To 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, we're going to set the stage for this. We're going to be going to Matthew 24 here in just a few minutes. And, and I, I'm going to tell you, I know that Pastor Mark and these other preachers have done got y'all spoiled about short messages. So, you know, I've always felt about it this way. If you're trying to go to the restaurant, if you can't get there early before the rest of the crowd gets there, then you go later and you don't have that to worry about. You catch my drift. No. I, I preached a few weeks ago over at Speak, and Brother Proctor, he said, uh, he said, won't you take about 15 or 20 minutes or so? And so when I got up, I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay no attention to 15 or 20 minutes, but the soul just really got in me because soul's an infinite number. <laughs> it can go on and on. But anyway, no, we're not going to do that. But, we, but there's some things that we need to understand. And we need to realize that we're indeed living in the last days. And, and, you know, we go, we go along so many times and there's so much junk going on. So much stuff happening everywhere you turn. And, and you know, this one's saying this and somebody else is preaching something else. And we, we come to the point to where we just sort of, sort of blot it out of our mind. You know, we've been hearing this for years and it hadn't happened yet. Hey, listen, folks. One of the first messages that I can recall my daddy preaching was about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and that was probably somewhere around 65 years ago. Now, I'm going to tell you, I preach that because I believe it. And if I were to be here 65 more years and have the opportunity to stand in a pulpit, I'd still preach about the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's how sure I am that this is going to happen. And we need to be prepared. We need to think about it. And so we want to see that in the Scripture that we're going to read here this morning, here in Second uh, Peter chapter 3. And, and as we read down, we're going to go through this sort of quickly, but there's some comments I want to make on these verses. He said, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Now, you know, I, I thought about that. I said, I thank you, I thank you, Peter, for writing that. Because he said, I'm going to stir up your pure minds. There ain't too many of us have that, do we? that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first. Now, <clears throat> here's something we need to understand as we think about the coming of the Lord, that knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. Do you think there's people that are scoffing at the Word of God, that they're scoffing at, at the second coming of Jesus? Sure they are. There's, there, you know, there's people, and, and I'm talking about there's church movements. And you notice how I said that, church movements. 
that will even tell you that it's either already happened or it's just all an allegory and that all of this is just going to sort of work out one of these days. Well, I'm here to tell you, it is going to just sort of work out one of these days, but it's going to work out according to the way that God says it's going to work out. But they'll come saying, where's the promise of His coming? In verse 4, where's the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, I want to say this. Yes, things are continuing. There is still sin. There is still all the effects of sin that came about when Adam and Eve sinned and the fall of man took place. All of these things are still going on. They're still killing. They're still... Uh, mistreatment of people and on and on we could go with that there's still wars and there's rumors of wars and and there's all kind of things happening we're going to talk about some of these things as we go along all of these things are still happening and i'll have to agree with these scoffers to that extent but if we would just stop and think about it and we'll see this that not only are they happening but they're getting worse in their effect and they're getting more uh uh, together, more frequent. Things are happening faster and moving faster and, and going on faster than they ever have before. Either that or I'm just waking up. I don't know which one it is. I, I Sometimes I, I think, have I been Rip Van Winkle? Have I been asleep and didn't know all of this was taking place? No, folks, it is getting daily. You All you got to do, you don't even have to read the article. Just read the headlines and see what's going on. They are continuing, but they're getting worse. And it's getting more frequent as it goes along. So let me, let me read on. For this they willingly uh, forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and earth standing out of the water and in the water and, and by which the world that then was existed perished talking about the flood of Noah's day being flooded with water. But the heavens and earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, just as the earth, well, the earth wasn't, but everything on the earth was destroyed by water, the next time it's going to be by fire. I remember a song from many years ago that said, uh, no more water but fire next time. It's going to happen. And we'll see that in just a minute. You say, Preach, I don't like this message. Well, I'm sorry. You bear with me because it's going to be good for it's over with, okay? But, beloved, do not forget this, that one, this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Now, now, you know, I've heard that talked about in many, many different ways. But let me hear what it comes down to. It comes down to saying this, that God does not regard time as you and I regard time. But if we want to take this as an example, then one day as a thousand years, thousand years is one day. I believe that since creation till now, that we're somewhere about little between six and seven thousand years. So I, I, I'm one of those narrow-minded people, and you, you, you can forgive me for that if you want to, and if you don't want to, that's okay too. But I'm one of those narrow-minded people that believe in the young earth theory. I don't believe this thing has been here for billions of years. Yeah, but what does the scientist say? Yeah, but what does the Word of God tell us? I mean, who are we going to believe, right? I want to believe the Word of God. And so this, this thing's been here between six and 7,000 years, 
And if, and if one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. God in creation instituted the Sabbath day, which is the day of rest. And I believe that that seventh day is soon going to dawn when this earth is going to enjoy a thousand years rest during the reign of Christ when He comes and reigns right here on this earth. Now, don't look at me like a calf looking at a new gate. That's just right in the Bible. And matter of fact, here's a scripture that you don't have. That's okay, guys. In Revelation 24, it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 20, in the first seven verses, this term, thousand years, is referred to at least five times. So this time's coming. Old Testament talks about this time. And so this time's coming. You say, well, when's that going to be a thousand years of peace? When's that coming? Well, uh, the earth is going to go through hell before it goes through heaven. So we need to, we need to realize that. But then he said this. The Lord is not slack, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. The promises of God are sure. You can't make them anything but sure. They're sure whether it's talking about good or whether it's talking about bad. You mean God's a good God and He's promised bad? Well, in His Word, He's declared that if you don't believe, if you don't receive, there's a destiny for you. And folks, it ain't good. And that's a promise. All right? But He's long-suffering. Why hadn't Jesus come back yet? Why hadn't this stuff all begin to come about? Why hadn't the end come yet? Because God is long-suffering to you and me, to our family, our friends, to all around us, so that folks, that if men, if people, let me say it that way, if people go to hell, it's not God's fault. I've heard people say, well, God's sending them to hell. No, they're not. They're going there on their own. God did not prepare hell for man. He prepared hell for Satan and his followers. If a person wants to be a follower of Satan and live their life that way and leave this earth that way, then that's where they're going to go. And people say, well, that's not politically correct. I have a problem with being politically correct. If you don't know that, you will before this message is over with. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. Well, listen to this. Here is a true fact. It's not, it might come, maybe will come. It said the day of the Lord will come. Well, what's he talking about when he says the day of the Lord? He's not talking about just a 24-hour period. He's talking about an event that is going to take place. And he's talking about a time period that's going to be in that called the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is going to start when the church is taken up off of this earth and meets Him in the air, and then seven years tribulation here upon this earth. That's going to start the day of the Lord. And at the end of that seven-year period, I don't care what anybody says, the battle of Armageddon is not going to be fought next week regardless of what Russia does. Okay? The battle of Armageddon will be at the end of that seven-year period called the Great Tribulation. And in that battle, Jesus is going to come back, stand on the Mount of Olives. It's going to cleave in the middle according to the Word of God. And He'll put an end to that war that quick. 
and it'll be such a devastating end to the, in the Word of God. And folks, I, I tell you, I could preach on this for a long time, and I haven't got time. Just take my word. Go study it. But the Word of God says that blood is going to run in the valley of Megiddo at the, to the depth of the horse's bridle that is going to be 180 miles long and as wide as that valley is, which is nearly a mile. Now, you don't think he ain't taking over? Yeah, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, he's done took over. How's it going to come? Well, it's going to come like a thief in the night. I'm not a date setter. I believe he could come today. But as far as me staying, he's coming today. I can't do that. You can't do it. Nobody can do it. Jesus himself said nobody knows the day nor the hour. He said not even the Son of Man. Jesus did not know it. I believe he may know it now because he's in heaven with the Father. But he did not know it when he was on this earth because he said nobody knows it. No man. No one. But it's going to come as a thief in the night. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, he said this, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Revelation 3, 3. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come. If you will not watch, if you will not watch. That's what this time's all about this morning, to get us to watching. I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. The thief comes. He said he's going to come like a thief. He didn't say as a thief, like a thief. When we're least expecting it. Think about that. You say, well, I expect it to happen at my house any time. You may get it, too. You may get that thief to break in. I don't know. I'm not looking for a thief, but I'm looking for Jesus to come. What will happen at the time when that day of the Lord takes place? Well, it says here, the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Do you think about that? I mean, there's never been a sonic boom or an atomic blast or anything else that will be the noise that it's going to be when this day of the Lord is beginning to take place. And at the end of all of this time, all the elements, every particle in this universe, including this earth, will be dissolved or will melt. Everything that makes up this universe will melt with fervent heat. You say, that's not a pretty picture. Well, I know, but the thing about it is, I'm done going to be gone. What about you? Then verse 11 says, Therefore, since all these things must be dissolved, what manner of person ought we to be in in all holy conduct and godliness? What kind of person? Now, ask yourself that question. Knowing that these things are going to come to an end, what kind of person do I need to be? How do I need to be living? What do I need to be doing? I mean, Lord, I don't want you to come back today. I still got loved ones. What are you doing to get those loved ones in? Are you showing them the love of God? Are you praying for them? Are you sharing with them the Word of God? What are you doing to get your loved ones in? Are you going to church on Sunday and and doing good and then living like the devil the rest of the week, that's not going to get your loved ones in. It's not going to get your friends in. It's not going to get your enemies in. What kind of person ought I to be in my life knowing that Jesus is coming back, knowing that this thing is going to come to an end, and I have a destiny? 
Because, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Even though all of this may dissolve with fervent heat, that's not the end of mankind. Because those that are Christians are going to spend eternity in heaven, and those that are not are going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Verse 12 says, Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Why in the world would we look for that, Pastor? Because verse 13 says, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Hey, look, folks, I'm looking for a place that I'm going to live forever to where there'll never be any sin or any of the effects of sin at all. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm telling you, I'm going to be like those spiritual that said, I'm going to lay down my burdens down by the riverside and study war no more. Hey, when I get there, I'm never going to have to fight the devil again. Never going to have to put up with people that gossip, people that hate. Won't be killings. Hey, let me tell you something, folks. When I get there, there's not going to be any preachers in heaven. Doctors or undertakers. There's not going to be any lawyers in heaven. No judges, no courtrooms. You say, you mean there's not going to be any rules? Hey, listen, there will be, but we won't need them because we're going to be perfect like Him and His image and in His likeness and we'll be that way forever and forever and forever and forever. And when that day's over with, we'll go forever and forever and forever. Think about that. This thing's going to end. But that's not going to end. Now turn to Matthew 24. That was my introduction. <laughs> Revelation 21.1, I'll just give you this scripture. John said, hmm. John saw it. My, my, my. John said, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth was passed away. A new one, a new one, a new one. Just for who? For me. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. What's he preparing? A new heaven and a new earth that I'm going to live in. Live on, walk on, be on, serve him. Matthew chapter 24 contains or is 24 and 25 what has been called by theologians as the Olivet Discourse. And the reason is, is because Jesus gave this message on the Mount of Olives. Part of it. The first part of it, he was still at the temple when he gave it. See, this is during the last week of Jesus. Matter of fact, this is coming down to the last days. It wasn't just a few days after this until they came and arrested Jesus in the garden and took him before the, 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 the high priest and Pilate and he was scourged and then put on the cross. But he's coming out of that temple that day in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. They wanted to show him, look, look at all these pretty things man's built here. King Herod's done this for us all. Isn't this beautiful? And no doubt it was something beautiful. 
according to drawings and things that we can see, that, that it was a magnificent structure, second only to Solomon's temple. Herod, only, the only difference between Herod's temple and Solomon's temple was that Herod tried to make it bigger, but it was never more beautiful than Solomon's temple. But Jesus made a statement to him as he's, as he's standing there. He said in verse 2, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. The first prophecy that Jesus gave that's recorded in Matthew 24 is right here in these verses. Most time we read that and we skip on down to, to verse 3 because that starts the really stuff going on. But here's the first prophecy that Jesus gave. And he said something like this is recorded in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. It de- details this destruction and how it will take place. Now, as he drew near the city, this is when he was coming into the city, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Listen to what he said. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you to you, level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. That prophecy. That prophecy was fulfilled completely in AD seventy under the Roman Emperor Titus. I mean, it, it happened just like that. Matter of fact, history tells us, Josephus, historian, said that they were so intent on destroying this temple, it was so big and magnificent, that they built scaffolds around that and loaded that with firewood and other burning material right up next to that building so that it could be sure to burn it. And it burned it to the point to where the gold that was in it began to to run out and run through the cracks in the street. And the Roman soldiers then turned more stones over trying to get out all the gold they could. All that's left of the stones that you can see in this day is the stones at the bottom of what they call the Wailing Walls, which is right down at the bottom of the Temple Mount. Stones laying everywhere that are turned because of this. The destruction was so complete that Josephus says you could not even recognize the city for being a city, and the temple was completely destroyed. That happened just a few years after Jesus prophesied this, about 37 years to be exact. Now, what I want you to see is if this prophecy of Jesus was so full and so brought to completion, every detail in that, then folks, you and I can believe the rest of what he said. Right? Oh, yeah, we'll have to believe that because he's the Son of God. But what I'm saying is this. The Word of God says that prophecy must be fulfilled. Did you know that over 30% of the Bible is prophecy and that the majority of that Bible prophecy that we find there is, is relating to the second coming of Christ, the tribulation, the, the millennial kingdom, and then, then, then eternal heaven? That prophecies that are there. So it's important that we understand this, that we wake up. It's important that we understand every day, hey, you know, this thing's getting close. I, I'm going to tell you now. You say, well, well Pastor, what are you going to do if it don't come soon? I'm still going to live. I'm still going to serve Him. I'm still going to go fishing when I get a chance. 
because it's good for you, right? Go fishing when you can. I'm still going to go to a ball game when I get a chance to. I'm still going to do the things I do, cut grass, take care of the garden, come to church, worship the Lord, study the Bible, pray. I'm still going to do the things every day that I need to do until He comes. And if He don't come before I die, folks, I'll die doing those things. I'm here to tell you if I die and He don't come, there's going to come a day whenever He's going to come from heaven with a shout and a voice. Woo! of the archangel and the trump of God. And He's going to bring my spirit with Him and my body's going to come up out of that ground and we're going to be united and I'll be with Him forever in the clouds according to the Word of God. Wow. That may not do you no good. But it's doing me a lot of good. See, we put a lot of trust in the weatherman, don't we? Well, the weatherman said... And we believe Him. I mean, we repeat it. Dress for it. Make preparations for it. Come on now. Don't we do that? Plan our week around the long-range forecast that can change the next hour. Isn't that the truth? But we let the words of Jesus concerning the things that are coming just pass us right on by. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. It's time for us to wake up. Amen? Jesus don't want us to be alarmed or to live in fear. Now, that's not the reason for this message and what I'm trying to get across to you this morning. It's not to put you in fear. It's not to alarm you, but to inform you. To wake us up. Remember the first verse we read? Stir up your pure minds. By helping us remember that Jesus is coming, and what kind of person ought we to be? Jesus said in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then he goes on and talks about heaven and what he's doing. He said, I'm going to come and get you again. Trouble. He said, don't be troubled. Trust in God. And you see, all these things begin to come to pass. Trust in God. Then John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I want to say this to you this morning. The world didn't give me the peace of God, and the world can't take it away as long as I keep my eyes on Jesus. Regardless of all of this stuff that's going on, it makes no difference what Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertines, or, or Russia, or anybody else does. I keep my eye on Jesus. They cannot take my peace. In verse 6, did I miss something? I think I did. Hold on. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, me. In verse 6, I, I meant to say that. Jesus said, see that you're not troubled. Keep your faith in God. Then he come back and, and we come to 24, verse 3. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying to him, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming unto the end of the age? They asked him three questions. These three questions are on the minds of a lot of people today. They asked him this, When will these things be? I can't tell you when they'll be, but I can tell you they're going to be. 
Then he will, they've said, what will be the sign of your coming? What signs can we look for to know that you're coming? And then the sign for the end of this age or this world. And when we talk about that, the actual word there that, that's, that should be is end of this age. And what he's talking about is, is the church age. The age that we're living in right now. The age when the church is on this earth functioning. And I'm not talking about the organized church, denominational names or whatever. But what I'm talking about is the church, the body of Jesus Christ. The church age is described in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, especially chapters 2 and 3, where he writes the letters to the seven churches, which describes the seven phases that the church has gone through since the day of Pentecost until the rapture takes place. Now, we don't have time to go into that, but if you go read it and begin to pray over it, you'll see it. Somebody said, well, I don't like the book of Revelation. I do because it said, blessed is he that hears and blessed are those that read and study these prophecies. I like that blessing. I like to read in it. Matter of fact, I've been thinking about taking the teens over into some of it on our Wednesday night class and introducing them to some of the stuff in the book of Revelation. To ask him these three questions. The first thing that Jesus gave them is in verses 4 and 5. He said, for they... Looking on the wrong page. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Verse 11, he said, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now, folks, we need to make up our mind that regardless, I'm not going to be deceived. How do I I come to the point where I'm not deceived? Well, you're going to have to get in the Word of God and see the Word of God yourself through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, asking Him to teach you and help you understand the Word of God. And then when you know the Word of God, you can't be deceived. See, if I didn't know that 2 plus 2 is 4 and just know that I know that I know that I know that, if I didn't know that, there's a chance you could probably convince me that 2 plus 2 is either 3 or 5 and deceive me. And I go down the road and somebody say to me, Hey, preacher, what's 2 plus 2? And I say, It's 5. And they look at you like, Yeah, he's ready. Come get him. Take him away. The only way you can keep from being deceived is to search out the truth for yourself. To begin to see it, to understand it. When you read things or hear things, ask the Lord to help you know what the truth is in these matters. Because it's important. Because you see, spiritual deception is the main tool that Satan uses against Christians. To deceive people. And, and these days, spiritual deception will increase. And, and uh, all of these things we'll have look at shows that, it, that all of these things will increase in volume and intensity. And I'll say that over and over so that we can understand it. False prophets preaching a false doctrine. Soft, easy believism. Get right with God and you never have a problem. I was reading this article the other day where this fellow uh, from a foreign country asked a preacher here in the States. He said, is it true that if I make Jesus Lord of my life that I will become rich and never have any problems? (laughs) 
And the preacher told him, no, that's not true. You can't believe that. But you can believe that if you give your heart to Jesus, He'll give you the peace of God. And regardless of whatever problem or circumstance that you're going through, He'll be with you, which is more than you have now. But people teach that. Go to, go to heaven on a flyer, a bed of ease. No, you're not going to do that. Let me tell you, I, I, I enjoy being a Christian. And you think, well, is it hard? But I found out something else. Being a Christian can be hard, but it can be the easiest thing you've ever done if you keep your eyes on Jesus. You notice how I said that. He said in the book of Proverbs that the way of the transgressor is hard. The one that goes against God, the one that goes against God's Word, that's the hard way. You say, preacher, I'm having a hard time. That means I'm going against God's Word. I'm not judging anybody. Hey, even with my thoughts, I still go through difficult times. As a matter of fact, I was over here yesterday afternoon and uh, cleaning off the porch and putting the, the pretty moms back on the hay bales and the devil, but boy, he was working on me. He said, you don't need to be preaching tomorrow. You done got too old. These folks ain't going to listen to you. They don't care about you being up there screaming and hollering and strutting around and all of that. And, and, and as a matter of fact, what you preaching is false. I mean, he was going at it. I was sitting right there on the porch, and I said, Devil, you just as well so shut up. Because if you don't, I'm going to preach about you tomorrow. I've had that conversation with that rascal before. Hey, I've had pains in my body. I nearly died one time. I was ready to go to heaven, but God said, no, we're not ready yet. I'm telling you, folks, I've been through situations. I've been through family hurts. I've been through church hurts. I've been through all kinds of financial problems and, and things of that nature. And With this lady, we, we've done it together. But I'm here to tell you that in all of it, I had the peace of God, and we were able to walk through those things and go through those things and never think that you can get so close to God in this earth that you'll never have a problem with the devil at all. But I'm going to tell you something. The closer you get to God, the quicker and more easy you overcome that rascal. Ah. Well, I about forgot where I was at. Spiritual deception. Easy living. And many will be turned to that and seek after it, run after it. Oh, they want it. Want it. Want this. Want that. Folks, I believe God wants us to have the best there is going. I believe that. I believe it with all my heart. But sometimes the best that there is going for me may not be the best that there is going for you. I mean, the best that be going for you may be a new Lexus. I'm happy with my Dodge truck. That's like somebody said one time, said, said to me many years ago, said, Preacher said, you ever thought about believing God for an airplane? I said, no, I've never believed God for an airplane. What do I need an airplane for? Now, if I was involved in international ministry, Going all the time, that might be different. I said, I'm not even believing God for a helicopter. What sense would it make for me to get on a helicopter right over there and get up and land right here? None at all. I don't need a helicopter, but I need a good automobile. I can believe God for an automobile and have a good automobile. You see what I'm saying? God wants us to have what we need. Not just barely get by. I was raised with that understanding, especially if you was a preacher. You're supposed to live by the side of the road, have holes and soles your shoes, and the seat of your breeches be slick because you wore them so much. 
Anyway, I'm on my way to heaven. I don't know anything I'd rather do than go to heaven. Do you? One of the main lies in spiritual deception that Satan gives you is this. If you do good and be good and live good, then you'll be okay and go to heaven when life's over with. That's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. Now, you've got to do good. But folks, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, all the good that you can do is not going to make the fire any cooler. Jesus has to be Lord of your life if you expect to go to heaven, if you expect to get out of this thing. So don't believe that lie. People say, well, I'm all right. You know, I'm, I'm good to people. Well, I know some Christians that profess to be Christians that are not good to people. I was talking to Tori and Ashlyn the other night. I said, <laughs> I said, who's the roughest people? And they said, people from church on Sunday. She works at Cracker Barrel. Ashlyn does too. People that's been at church on Sunday. Can I ask you to do something for me? If you go to a restaurant and you get ugly, don't tell them you go to church at Victory Fellowship. <laughs> be nice. Be good. But more than anything else, have Jesus as Lord of your life so that when this thing comes to an end, you'll be with Him forever. That's the most important thing. Political deception is rampant. Many are being deceived into believing the government can fix it. <clears throat> Handouts, more giveaways, more immigration, less immigration, stronger military, weaker military, more money for the police, defund the police, more vaccines for the diseases, on and on and on and on and on. That thing can go. Let me tell you something. I want you to understand this. This is my political statement of the day. The Republicans can't fix it. Donald Trump can't fix it. Joe Biden can't fix it. The Democrats can't fix it. Congress can't fix it. The Supreme Court can't fix it. But I'm going to tell you, I know a man that can. And that man is Jesus Christ. And not only can he fix it, he's going to fix it. Amen? Jesus is the only one that can. Hallelujah. And he'll do it in his time. In that new heaven and new earth. Verse 6. And you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Wars and rumors of wars. Now think about this for a minute. When it talks about this statement, it means more wars far away, and it also means the actual sound of war nearby. You mean in America? What's to make us think that we're immune from war happening right here in this country? You know, we got so many guns. They do too. Yeah, it can happen right here. The noise of war. Things are happening. This is happening in the communities all across America. So we think of war. We think of Russia coming in, China coming in. You know, some of those terrorist groups coming in. But, you know, war's going on right here in America. In communities across this 
nation. Just listen. In, in the, some of the bigger cities, there's multiple people killed, shot and killed every week. Do you know it's getting to where that nearly every day, every day, in Hunt, they're from Huntsville, you hear somebody getting shot. And it's getting worse three or four times a week in Decatur. Just right up the road, folks. And in the outlying area, people, people will kill you about anything. They'll kill you over nothing. Cut them off. Road rage. I was reading the thing about two guys jumped on this woman and beat her to death over road rage. They got mad because she wouldn't move along like they wanted her to. Gang violence. War on the police. The continued conflicts in Ukraine and Israel and Syria and Afghanistan, Iraq, the Middle East, in African nations, all around the world. Conflicts. There's never been a, a period of time that there's not been some kind of conflict on this earth. Jesus said you hear wars and rumors of war. But He said, listen, don't be troubled. All of these things are going to happen. But the end's not yet. You mean we got more to go through? Yes, because in verse 7 he says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Nation against nation. The, a war, I think he's talking about here, a war that will be more devastating than World War One and World War Two combined. Could it be he's talking here about the Battle of Armageddon. I know the president said the other day that if Putin does this, it's going to be the Battle of Armageddon. No, it's not. The way I understand, I want you to notice how I said this, the way I understand Bible prophecy, the only way the Battle of Armageddon could be the quickest it could come would be seven years from today. Now, again, I'm not setting a date because I'm going to tell you what that depends on. That depends on... The rapture of the church, the resurrection that, that we hear about, the first resurrection, Jesus coming in the clouds to take His people off of this earth. When that, and that's the way I understand Bible prophecy. You may understand it different. That's fine. I'm preaching right now, so just bear with me. Then, immediately, is going to be the seven-year tribulation period where the Antichrist is going to be in control of the earth. But the wrath of God is going to be poured out on this earth, especially during the last three and a half years of that. You, you can find that in Revelation and see how that goes. You can see it under the, the seals and the, the trumpets and the vials being poured out in the book of Revelation. You can see that. It's going to be, listen, if for somehow you miss it and you're left behind, don't be afraid of the Antichrist. You better fear the wrath of God that's going to come on this earth. But then at the end of that seven-year period is when all the nations of the world, all the armies of the world are going to be gathered together in the valley of Megiddo, the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is just right out of Jerusalem. And there the war that I mentioned earlier is going to be fought. That's the earliest that could happen. But there's going to be other things that take place between now and then. Nuclear weapons in the world today Total, 12,705 nuclear weapons scattered around this earth among nine nations. 
And the U.S. and Russia together have 11,405 of those, and Russia has the most. One of our nuclear submarines that they go out and they don't surface for months and months and months, and they're nearly untrackable, carries enough warheads on them so they could cause a destruction seven times greater, each one of those warheads, a destruction seven times greater than the bombs that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Wow. Could it be that all of this stuff that man has come up with, that God's going to use that at a time to dissolve this because you take 12,500 nuclear weapons all being detonated at one time, what chance does this earth have? None. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But God's got a way of taking care of things. Today, war causes famines, extreme famines. The war that's going on in Ukraine right now is adding to that. Food scarcity around the world. Price increases in food that, that is just astronomical. And, and it's to the point that, that here now people again are having to choose between food and medicine or food or anything else. I know that for Loretta and myself, our grocery bill in the last year has increased over $40 a week. And that's just me and her. And I, I would, I'm, you know, I love my children. I'm glad they're not home anymore. I don't know if I could feed them. <laughs> Pestilence, disease, plagues, pandemics. Show you how this is getting worse. In 1968, more than one million people died from the Hong Kong flu. And there's other things that went along. But from 1981 to the mid-1990s, 35 million people died from the AIDS. And from 2019 to, to this present in 2022, there's been nearly 7 million people died around this earth from COVID-19. And that thing's not over with yet. And who knows what's going to escape from the next laboratory in China or North Korea or wherever and cause pandemic around this earth. These things are happening and they're moving closer and closer. Then he said it'd be earthquakes. Earthquakes are not caused by war but by nature. So far this year, there have been 8,435 earthquakes and more than 100 of them, those were 6,000 or 6.0 and above. By this time last year, I looked it up, but this time last year, there had only been about 6,000 earthquakes recorded around this earth that were 3.0 and above. Now then we're looking at over 8,000. What are you saying, preacher? Well, the next verse says that all of these, are the beginning of sorrows. That word sorrows in the Greek is the word talking about the pains that a woman experiences in giving birth, the birth pains. How that whenever a woman begins to first feel those birth pains, they're small, they're minor-like, they're uncomfortable to the point that she knows now for sure I'm pregnant. I guess that's the way they feel. Lord, help me not to get political right now about those dumb people that can say a man can have a baby. Oh, Lord, help me. Anyway, back to what it was talking about here. Start small, but then as the pregnancy progresses, they get worse. 
Now, I've never experienced that, but I experienced it with my wife. And the closer to the birth time it gets, the more intense those pains get and the more frequent they get. Plumb until the birth takes place. And that's what he's talking about here with these sorrows. These things may look like that this nothing, but it'll continue, it'll get stronger, and it'll get more frequent. Folks, I'm here to tell you that if the Lord tarries, that in the time will come we're going to see more wars. We're going to hear more wars, even maybe fought right here in our country. Now, I'm not talking about between gangs. I'm talking about wars that could involve you and me. And I'm not trying to alarm you. I'm talking about what could be. Don't go off and say, our pastor said we better get our guns ready. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. You better get your guns ready. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> but, and, and the the diseases, the pandemics, the famines, the worldwide. Matter of fact, that every day, every day there's a thousand plus people die in this earth and most of those children as a result of famine. These things are getting worse as we move along and this time's coming. Verse 10, he said, And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Offended here is talking about being easily offended. And boy, we're in that day now, aren't we? I, I can't remember which one it was, and some of you guys may remember, but here a couple of weeks ago, one of the announcers uh, on uh, ESPN, I believe it was, is talking about how that they were at least a little attacked against the quarterback, you know, in football, at least a little hit, just a little bit wrong. They were calling it rough in the passer, and he said it's time for him to take the skirts off. And everybody's down on him. The council culture's down on him. They wanting him fired off ESPN because he made that statement. People offended. People get so easily offended over anything. A, a comedians are about out of business because they can't get up and do what they've always done. People get offended. You have to watch it. They get offended. And here's a, a one thought about it. They, but then when people get offended, they start betraying each other. That means selling them out, running them down. Uh, ruining their reputation, telling lies just because they got offended, and it turns the point to where they hate one another. He said, many will be offended, betray one another, and will hate one another. Hatred. Oh, it's terrible. We live in an atmosphere of hate. It's not an atmosphere of peace. It's an atmosphere of hate. I mean, you, you can experience it by going to the grocery store. I, I saw this just yesterday. I was going down an aisle, and I was over on my side. And here comes this young guy right down the middle of the aisle and just kept coming and just kept coming. And he bumped into my cart and looked at me like, what are you doing there? I just smiled and said, excuse me. What's the use of going any other way? There's no need of two of us being ugly. Live in an atmosphere of hate. And then in verse 12, I'm skipping verse 11 because that's another time for preaching. And because lawlessness or sinfulness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Sinfulness. Now, I ain't got time to preach on this and do this justice like I'd like to, but I do want to bring this to your head. The main sins that he's talking about here is sexual sins. 
Today, that is having to be dealt with, and we have come to the point to where we've made it just all right. Sexual sins. We got this attitude, if it makes them happy, do it. The Bible does not talk about making people happy just to do anything that they want to do. In the Old Testament days, God condemned, there were three gods, the main ones that, that they worshipped that God condemned. There was the Baal God, which had control more in the government. There was uh, Molech, which was the god that they had down in the Hennon Valley that, that they built a fire in its stomach, a big iron thing, built a fire in its stomach, and its arms would grow red hot from the heat, and they would lay their babies on that in offering. Then there was the goddess Ishtar. She's referred to in another part of the Bible as the goddess of heaven. The Ashtaroth poles that they would worship and set up these things to Ashtaroth was that. And in Ashtaroth worship, they would, she required that the men dress like women and the women dress like men and act according to the way they've dressed. You thought this transgender thing was something new, didn't we? Hey, I'm going to tell you that goddess has woke up and has infiltrated this nation once again, even to the point of indoctrinating our children into believing it's okay. But I'm here to tell you, folks, transgenderism is not right. LGBTQ plus is not right. I'm, and I'm going on Facebook saying that. We may get kicked off, but if we do, that, that's my opinion. And I've got just as much right to my opinion as they do. Right? And, and it's not just my opinion based on what I like. It's based on what the Word of God says. The Word of God condemns that kind of thing. Why do you think He said in the Old Testament that a man is not to wear things pertaining to a woman or a woman wear things pertaining to a man? He didn't mean that a woman couldn't put on pants. He meant that a woman was not to make herself appear to be a man and a man was not to make himself to appear as a woman. Ishtar had priests that would take little children and try to change their sex by doing different things that they would do to them, which comes today to being like the hormone blockers and the different things like that that they use today. Now, this is just a small part of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sexual sin is sweeping this country, and it's not only in the world, but it's getting even into the church. And some people have the stupid thought that they could come in, and there's a church that did this in Florida, that they could have a drag queen show and open it up to the congregation. Can I tell you this? And I make you this promise. As long as there's breath in this body, there won't be no drag queen show in this church. I don't care what makes them happy. They can be happy somewhere else. If they want to come here and get right with God, they're plumb welcome, wide open to that. But we're not going to give in to that. Sins of all kinds. Sins that cause natural affection to be replaced with unnatural affection. Homosexuality, lesbianism, all of these things, regardless of what anybody says, is not natural. When God made them in the Garden of Eden and put them in the Garden of Eden, He made a man named Adam. He made a woman named Eve. 
And he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He did not make Adam and Steve. And he did not make Madam and Eve. He made Adam and Eve, and he set down the precedent for this is the way this thing is supposed to be. This country has done a gross sin when they opened up and said that gay marriages was okay and when they opened up and said abortion is okay. Just anything goes. But, folks, I'm going to tell you, they can make anything okay they want to, but they'll never amend it to the Word of God. And because of this kind of thing, many people's love is going to grow cold in the church because they'll listen to somebody like Nancy Pelosi that's got a little enough sense to say, it's okay. For, no, not her. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nancy. I didn't mean that. Kamala Harris. I mean, Kamala Harris, the vice president. I'm sorry. Well, it looks like you look at it on paper anyway. To say you can believe in a, you, you can still have your faith and say that abortion is okay. I announce to you, you cannot have your faith in God and be right with God and think that abortion is okay. You say, you don't believe there are certain situations. I'm not going to get into all of that. But I'm here to tell you, I've got a niece that lives down out from Opelika. The doctor told her when she was 24 weeks pregnant, you need to abort this baby. And she said she raised up over the doctor's desk and said, I will not abort my baby. I'll have my baby and I'll raise my baby. And the doctor said it could take the baby's life and it could take your life. And she said, if I die giving birth, I'll die giving birth. She's got that baby. Oh, it's got some medical difficulties. Such a pretty, sweet little girl. Folks, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't come in here throwing this stuff. It's a woman's right. Hey, there's more involved than just a woman in this thing. And, it, and, and there's no constitutional right to that. Let me go on. I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to get political, and here I did. Forgive me, Lord. Y'all forgive me. Love of many a grow called Revelation 2 and 4 said that people have left their first love in the church. He said to the church in Ephesus, you've done good, you've done this, you've done that. He said, but I've got some things against you because you have left your first love. Where's your first love? First love Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus. How's your relationship with Jesus today? I just want to ask you that. Have you left your first love? Has all of this stuff going on in the world? In families and in situations, has it caused you to leave your first love? Are you still as fervent today about praying as you were then or reading your Bible as you were then? Are you still as fervent about telling people about Jesus as you were then? Or do you just go along and just say, well, I'll just leave everybody alone. they leave me alone. We'll be okay. No, you can't be that way. can't be that way. You can't. you got to come back. He said, repent and return and do your first works. What is your first work? Loving God and loving people. Folks, this thing's coming to an end. It could be now. It could be 500 years. I don't know. I can't tell you. I can tell you this, that it's going to happen. And he said we need to look for this 
We need to look for it every day. And if we die for it, so we need to leave here looking for it. Because it's coming. It's as sure, it's as sure as the Word of God says that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for your sins and my sins. And here in chapter 24, verse 13, it says, And he that endures to the end shall be saved. He's not talking about salvation as far as being right with the Lord, just enduring a bunch of junk is not going to get you there. But it means this, that you go through this time, this life now, you keep your heart in tune with Him, walk with Him, serve Him, live life, enjoy life, but enjoy it in relation to Him. And you'll be saved and delivered out of all of this junk that is coming. He said this. He said, be faithful. Be faithful. And I'll deliver you from the hour of temptation that's going to come upon the earth to try all men. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of this thing one of these days. Somebody told me one day, he said, you're just an escapist, aren't you? And I said, you got me pinned. You got me pegged. That's exactly what I am. Because Jesus said this. He said, pray that you escape the wrath of God. Y'all stand with me just now. Father, how we thank you this morning, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Father, for these wonderful people that have given their attention, that have sat here through this time. Lord, I pray right now that your hand be upon them. Father, I just ask you to touch them in a special way, each one. Almighty God, I thank you today for the understanding that my Jesus... It's coming back to get me and to take me to be with Him forever. And Lord, if I don't see that this side of death, I thank You today for the assurance that when I leave this earth, either in death or the rapture, Lord Jesus, I'll be with You forever. Thank You for that. Thank You for keeping us through this time. And I pray, Lord, this morning, just now, that anyone that their heart is not right with you, that's never made Jesus Lord of their life, Father, that today would be the day that they'd come and that they'd get their hearts right with you. And, Lord, if there's those here this morning that have left their first love, I pray that this would be the day and the time that they'd renew that, Lord, that today they would repent and return and renew that love relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for love. And I magnify you in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. While they play song, if you need prayer, if you're not where you need to be of the Lord, maybe.